Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 13th. In today's news, President Trump moves to deny green cards and a pathway to citizenship for immigrants who are poor. Hong Kong's airport is closed for a second day in a row. And some good news. Ebola is no longer incurable. But first, the big idea. The Trump administration took its final step yesterday to weaken the Endangered Species Act of 1973. This is the bedrock law that brought the bald eagle, the American alligator, the California condor, the humpback whale, and the grizzly bear back from the brink of extinction. New rules, though, will allow the administration to reduce the amount of habitat set aside for wildlife and to remove critical tools that officials use to predict future harm to species as a result of climate change. For the first time in the law's 45-year history, government officials will now get to use the financial costs of protecting animals as an excuse not to fight aggressively to keep them from going extinct. These long-anticipated changes, jointly announced by the Interior and Commerce Departments, were undertaken as part of President Trump's mandate to deconstruct the administrative state. He wants to scale back government regulations on corporations, especially his major donors in the oil and gas industry, which want to drill on protected lands. This will allow them to do so. Within hours of Monday's announcement, the state attorneys general of California and Massachusetts joined a conservation group, Defenders of Wildlife, in declaring the changes illegal and vowing to challenge them in court. In May, a U.N. report on world biodiversity found that one million plant and animal species are on the verge of extinction, with alarming implications for human survival. The report, written by seven experts from universities around the world, directly linked the loss of species to human activity and showed how those losses are undermining food and water security, along with human health. The report concluded that plants and animals are threatened with extinction now more than at any other period in human history. Under the Trump administration's new rules, my colleague on the environmental beat, Daryl Fears, explains that it would have been essentially impossible to designate the polar bear as threatened back in 2010. The Obama administration was able to do so because of the rapid loss of sea ice in the Arctic. The Arctic is one of the fastest warming areas in the world. So nearly 200,000 square miles of barrier islands in Alaska were listed as critical habitat. Officials relied on climate models to predict how warming would impact polar bear habitats looking 80 years into the future. But the new Trump rules bar the use of such projections. Officials are now only allowed to estimate impacts in what is described vaguely as the, quote, foreseeable future. In response to questions, administration officials argue that they're not totally dismissing climate science, only asserting that climate projections are uncertain and so variable that it's hard to know what the impact will be down the road. The new Trump rules also limit the area of land that can be protected to help species recover and survive. Currently, land that endangered animals occupy is set aside for their protection in addition to areas that they once occupied or might need to occupy in the future. Going forward, critical habitat that is not occupied right now might not be protected, thereby opening it up for oil and gas exploration or other forms of commercial development. And don't kid yourself, that's the whole point of this exercise. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, 
immigrants who live legally in the United States and use public benefits, such as Medicaid, food stamps, or housing assistance, could find it much harder to get a green card under a policy change unveiled yesterday by the Trump administration. The new criteria for inadmissibility on public charge grounds due to take effect October 15th will set strict standards for applicants seeking legal permanent residency in the United States. These criteria will skew the process in favor of highly skilled, high-income immigrants who also happen to be white that Trump covets. Analysts say the public charge change could dramatically reduce family-based legal immigration to the U.S., especially from Latin America and Africa. That's the way the rules are tailored, where incomes are generally lower than the rest of the world. It could also lead to an increase in deportations, as those present with some form of provisional or temporary immigration status in the U.S. will increasingly be denied legal residency. Advocates for immigrants say the new rule could narrow the pool of people who are eligible for green cards, which are necessary to get on a path to U.S. citizenship. This effectively could block immigrants who live in poverty from having a chance at naturalization. Acting Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Ken Cuccinelli says these changes will benefit U.S. taxpayers by selecting better, more successful candidates for U.S. citizenship. Meanwhile, down in Arizona, the U.S. Border Patrol agent who intentionally rammed his truck into a Guatemalan migrant in 2017 and referred in text messages to immigrants as, quote, subhuman and mindless murdering savages, got a plea deal that allows him to accept guilt for only one misdemeanor charge. The agent, Matthew Bowen, will face up to one year in prison and could be fined $100,000 when he's sentenced on October 15th for deprivation of rights under color of law. Bowen said in the plea agreement that he will resign from the Border Patrol. He's been suspended since June 2018. Number two. What you hear is pro-democracy demonstrators in Hong Kong. They're doing a mass sit-in at the airport, and they're singing, Can You Hear the People Sing? It's the classic revolutionary song from Les Mis. These anti-government protesters are bringing chaos to the major international hub for a second consecutive day, forcing airlines to suspend check-in for departing flights as the demonstrators extend their standoff with authorities who have been unable to quell months of dissent. Thousands of demonstrators clad in black are sitting in the terminal with placards denouncing police brutality and calling for freedom on the island. They're using luggage carts as barricades and blocking departing passengers. Arguments are erupting between passengers and protesters, with some passengers crying and saying they just want to go home. Meanwhile, the protesters are chanting, Return the Eye. That's a reference to an incident on Sunday night when a young woman was shot in the eye by a beanbag round when police clashed with protesters in a subway station. Senior officers won't promise that this woman is not going to be charged with rioting. As the summer of unrest rolls on, the situation is becoming increasingly tense. Statements from Chinese government officials and state media in Beijing have grown steadily more shrill, accusing protesters of terrorism and warning of an impending crackdown in the semi-autonomous financial center. The regime is marshalling military assets for potentially large-scale repression. Number three. Scientists announced last night that two experimental Ebola treatments significantly increase survival rates for those infected with a disease that's often been considered 
a death sentence. A nine-month clinical trial is providing fresh hope for containing an outbreak that's ravaging eastern Congo. The drugs have performed so well that health professionals will now administer them to every patient in Congo. But in a place where suspicion of health workers and violent conflict are widespread, finding effective medical therapies is really only half the battle. The world's second worst outbreak has now infected nearly 2,800 people and killed 1,900 more since it began a year ago. These new therapies were tested in a multi-drug randomized controlled trial conducted on the front lines of the outbreak. Researchers administered one of four drugs to about 700 patients. The two antibody-based treatments work by blocking a critical protein in the Ebola virus. Patients receive them once intravenously and ideally as soon as possible after infection. They saved about 90% of patients with low levels of infection, according to the preliminary data, which is amazing. Across all levels of infection, about a third of patients survived when they got this drug that blocks the critical protein. The average mortality rate for Ebola has been over 50%. And the survival rate with the new drug is way better than with ZMAP, which was what they were using to treat the 2014 outbreak in West Africa. Thank goodness for scientists. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 13th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.